Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Junior Rodriguez, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. Yeah, hey, everybody. Welcome to Christ Fellowship. So glad you're here. Again, how many of you have seen that movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Let me see your hands. Yeah, it's one of those movies I try to watch every Christmas season for this reason. It just has a way of getting me in the Christmas spirit. Somebody said to me last night, you know, in in Miami, I'm just not in the Christmas spirit. I said, you've got to watch It's a Wonderful Life because the storyline is just so Christmas season centric. It's just woven through that entire story. Now, for those of you who haven't seen it, let me give you the quick sort of trailer version of It's a Wonderful Life. To begin with, the main character in the movie is a guy by the name of George Bailey, and he's portrayed by actor Jimmy Stewart. The era is the early 1900s, and the setting is a small town, small quaint little town called Bedford Falls. And of all times of the year, it's Christmas time in the movie. You know, it's the most wonderful, yeah. I love that. But listen, there's another facet about this movie that intrigues me, and that is this. Without meaning to do it unintentionally, the movie teaches some powerful biblical truths. And one of those truths has to do with the power of debt. You know, heavy debt can burden us down. In fact, in the movie, it was too much debt that turned George's wonderful life into a dreadful life. And we talked all about that last time. But listen, listen, there is another powerful truth in this movie that I want to talk about today, a powerful biblical truth, and that has to do with the power of regret. Everybody say regret. Everybody say regret. Yeah, I don't even have to tell you that regret is a very powerful emotion. Powerful enough to seize control of your mind and completely debilitate the future that God has planned for you. Make no mistake about it. Unrelenting regret. Don't get me wrong. There's a godly regret that can lead us to repentance. But I'm talking about relentless regret. The kind of of regret that you are unwilling to let go of, the kind of regret that you're unwilling to forgive yourself of, the kind of regret that you keep dragging forward in your life, that kind of regret, regret can take control of your mind and lead you into very dark places in your mind. Tell you what, hold that thought. I'll come back to it. Back to Christmas. Because one of the ironies of Christmas is this. For many people, Christmas really is the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, for many people, they love Christmas. They can't wait to enjoy Christmas. It's a time of friends. It's a time of of reaching for the eggnog. (laughs) But listen, for a lot of people, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. 
For a lot of people, it's one of the most sad times of the year. For them, they find themselves not reaching for the eggnog, but for the Jack Daniels. In fact, do you realize, are you ready for this? Do you realize that more people will try to take their life between now and Christmas than at any other time of the year? Now, why is that? Well, it's because of the power of regret. It's because they're filled with the emotion of regret. In fact, in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George tries to take his life at Christmas. He says he wished he had never been born. Why? Because he was so filled with regret over the past. And who knows, maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe you came in here today and you're filled with regret. You would say, hey, I can relate to that guy, George. For me, Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year. It is the time that I feel the emotion of regret the most. Now, I want you to track with me because... Christmas does have a way of making us reflective, doesn't it? The sights, the sounds, even the music is is very reflective. You know, I'll be home for Christmas, if only in. I'll have a blue Christmas. Thanks, Elvis. <laughs> Even Silent Night, Silent Night, there's something sad about it, isn't it? And so what I'm saying is, is Christmas can make us reflective, and when we, when, we, when we become reflective, we tend to reflect back on what's behind us, particularly on, on the bad things that we've done, the bad choices, the bad decisions, we tend to reflect back on those. And what that does is it fills us with the feeling of regret. So we start regretting the bad choices that we made, the bad decisions. We start reflecting on the bad outcomes, the bad broken relationships, the failures that we had. And it just drives us into dark places in our minds. And so here's my proposition today. This is what I want you to walk out the door with before Christmas even gets here. Christmas can elicit feelings of regret in our minds. And again, regret is a powerful emotion that can take control of your mind and lead you into dark places from which it is difficult to extract yourself. And I'm telling you, if you don't take control of Regret, your regrets will take control of you. If you don't control the regrets, regret will control your mind. And it will ruin your happiness and destroy the plans that God has for your future. Now you might be saying, well, Rick, why is regret so powerful? And what do I do to control my regrets to the point that they don't take control of me. How do I do that? Well, that's what we're going to find out as we go back to this series that we've entitled, It's a Wonderful Life. And today I want to give you three primary thoughts about regret. How many of you have your listening guides at all of our campuses? Yeah, this is one you really probably want to take notes on because even if you don't struggle with regret, there are a lot of people around you that probably do. So I hope you'll follow along with this. By the way, we're going to take this from the Bible in Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you may want to go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, don't 
sweat it. The text will come up on the screen. You can track along with us that way. So here we go. Three thoughts that we're going to unpack about regret. If you're filling in the blanks, number one, big number one, guard your mind from regret. Guard your mind from regret. Now, with that in mind, let's pick this up in Philippians chapter 3. Watch what the Apostle Paul says. Writing under the inspiration, guided by God, here's what he says. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my my what? Yeah, my goal. Now, folks, everybody heads up because this is spectacular. Do you realize that as a believer, God has a goal for your life? God has a destination for your life, and God is pulling for you and me that we will reach the destiny, that we will reach the great goal that he has in our lives. And we're going to unpack what that goal is shortly. But folks, I want you to think about this. I don't, I don't have to tell you this, but just for reemphasis, you know that a goal is always in front of you, isn't it? A goal is, a goal is always ahead. Or put another way, a goal is never behind you. A goal is never back there. That's why if you ran track, I ran track when I was in middle school and high school. When you're running track, you're running towards a goal. You're never looking where? You're never looking back. You're never looking on what's behind you. In fact, your track track coach will tell you, don't look what's behind you. You aim at that goal. Now, with that in mind, I want you to watch what the Apostle Paul says here. Listen to verse 13. I love the first word, because we're going to talk about this word a lot. What's that first word? Everybody say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it. Yeah, forgetting. And what are you forgetting? What's this? Forgetting. What is where? What is behind you? Watch this. And straining towards what is where? Ahead of you, before you. Now stop there. Because God is speaking to the Apostle Paul. He's talking to you and me. And he's saying, God has this great goal that is ahead of all of us. But if we are going to reach this great goal that God has for us, if you're going to reach the destiny that God has for you, listen to this, you have to be laser focused on what is ahead of you. In other words, you cannot be dwelling on what's behind you. You cannot be dwelling on what's back there that you did bad, that you did wrong. In fact, Paul says, you've got to forget. You've got to forget what's back there. But let me tell you something. This is precisely what regret refuses to let you do. Regret refuses to let you forget what's behind you. Regret refuses to let you forget. You see, God is saying, let's move on, but regret is saying, no, no, let's reflect. Right? It's Christmas time. Let's remember all the bad choices you made last year. Let's reflect on all the bad decisions that you made. Let's reflect on how you blew that relationship, how you blew that job promotion. Let's reflect on all of the bad that you did. So, so here's what that, that's what ref, uh, regret does. 
But as if that's not bad enough, write this down as A. Regret then drags your past into your present. In other words, here's what regret does. Let me give you a picture of it. Regret drags you back into what's supposed to be behind you. And then it has you grab all that's back there, all your mistakes and all your future, and it has you drag all of that into your present. All the while, God is saying, no, 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 no. I need you to forget all of that. I need you to do an Elsa or an Anna. Which one was it? Let it go. Let it go. I need you to let it go. God's saying, I need you to move on toward the goal that I have for you. But regret says, no, 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 no. It's Christmas time. We need to reflect. <laughs> we don't want to forget. We need to remember all the bad stuff you did last year. All the mistakes you made, all the people you let down, all the broken relationships, all the bad choices you made, we need to remember all of that. And folks, here's the hypocrisy of regret. Write this down as little one and number two. Here's the double standard. Regret has perfect memory of all the bad you've done. In other words, regret has a photographic memory of everything that you did bad, and regret is going to make sure you don't forget it. In fact, regret will chatter away in your head. It sounds like this. You let your wife down last year. You, you didn't come through for your husband. Boy, did you ever let your children down. Boy, did you ever mess up that relationship. And then, then regret will get you to start talking to yourself. And once you do that, regret can back out of the way. You know, I did let them down last year. I let everybody down. I let my children down. I let my coworkers down. I let my friends down. And then regret will say something to you like this. You sure, you sure made some stupid decisions last year. Boy, that was a stupid decision you made about your business. What a stupid decision you made about your finances. What a stupid decision you made about that relationship. And then it'll have you saying, I'm really stupid. And regret will say, wow, did you ever let God down? <laughs> Folks, can, can I give us all a news flash? We have all let God down. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can I give you another news flash? We have all done stupid stuff in our lives. Isn't it amazing how when people point the finger at you and, and say you did something stupid, how amnesiac they can be about their own stupidity? But you see, that's what regret does. Regret will make you feel like you're the only one. <laughs> You're the only one with this problem. And regret will make sure that you don't forget it. See, God's saying forget. Regret's going to say, no, 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 no. We're going to remember. And then regret starts to chatter like this with the, if the, with the only ifs. You know, only if you hadn't done that, it'd be better. Only if you had done that, boy, your life would be great. Only, only if you hadn't followed them, things would, would be amazing. 
Folks, that kind of chattering in your head is toxic to your happiness. It's toxic to the goals that God has for you. It's like, have you ever seen somebody so upset, so depressed, so filled with anxiety that they hit themselves or they pull their hair? I've seen that. Listen, when you, when you let that stuff rattle around in your head, you may as well be pounding your brain because that's what it's doing. It's like hitting your brain. It's toxic to your future. So, so here's, the, here's the double standard of regret. Write this down as number two. Here's the double standard. Regret has amnesia of all the good you've done. In other words, regret makes, watch this, regret makes sure that you remember all the bad that you've done, while at the same time making sure you forget all the good that you've done. In other words, regret will make you an amnesiac of the good that you've done to the point that you never even think about the good that you've done, to the point that you never consider the good that you've done in life. Why do we do that? I tell you what, I think sometimes preaching lends us, leads us that way. It's always, you have it done, right, you are not doing right. And we don't take, we don't take inventory of the good that we've done. <laughs> Why is it that we never say, you know, I, I did come through on that occasion. I was there for that person. You know, come to think about it, I was tempted and I was faithful to God. Come to think about it, I served God this year. I volunteered for God this year. I gave to God this year. I, I've, I've done some things right. Why is it that we don't think about that? Regret has a way of whitewashing all of the good that we've done so that we only remember the bad. In fact, when I say think of the good, sometimes your mind will default, yeah, I did some good, but let me t-. it defaults back, yeah, I did good, but. <laughs> See, that's regret. I did good, but. Whitewashes all the good. By the way, this is what happened to George in the movie. George was so hyper-focused on his mistakes that he never even considered all the good that he had done. In the movie, he never thought about the good things that he had done for people. In fact, the movie flashes back to when George was a little boy and his brother was drowning in a frozen lake and George dives in It's so cold that George loses his hearing from then on, but he saves his little brother's life. His little brother grows up to become a war hero. And as a war hero, he saved an entire battalion from being killed. And so George never thought, I saved my brother's life, and because my brother grew up and saved the other people's life, I did something really good. These people are alive because of me. He never thought of that. There's a flashback to when he was a young teenager, and he was working in one of those old pharmacies back in the day, and there was an old senile pharmacist in there, and he was mixing poison into capsules and didn't know it. He was old and senile, and George stopped him from doing that. George stepped in and said, no, 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 you're you're putting poison in there. And so George not only kept the pharmacist from losing his mind, he saved the lives of all of the people who would have taken that drug. But do you think George ever said, wow, I saved a lot of people's life? Never. He's only looking at the past mistakes. There's a flashback to when George saved Bedford Falls from bankruptcy, from a wicked Scrooge named 
potter. <laughs> but folks, the, the moral to the story is that, that George had done a myriad of good things in his life, but regret was making him amnesiac of all the good <laughs> that he had done. And let me tell you, that's exactly what regret wants to do to you. Regret wants to make sure you forget all the good that you've done and make sure you never forget all the bad that you've done. And here's the effect of that. Here's here's the effect of when you can't put the good that you've done in front of you, but you put the bad in front of you, here's what happens. Write this down as B. Regret blocks your future goals. In other words... Regret takes the past that you cannot change and puts it in front of a totally changeable future, a totally hopeful future, a totally visionary future. It puts it in front of that and blocks it. So watch what Paul says about this. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all of this or already arrived at my what? Yeah, my goal. Again, Paul is saying God has a goal for your life. God has a destiny that he wants you to reach for. But here's what regret does. Watch this. Regret pulls you back to the past. And regret grabs the bad choices that you made in 2018 and puts it right in front of the goals that God has for you for 2019. Blocks the way. And regret doesn't just do 2018. Heck, (laughs) regret will reach all the way back to pick a year. Somebody say a year. 2005. And say, look at the bad decisions you made back there. Wow, if only you hadn't have made that bad decision. It takes that and puts it right in front of the goals. It has you thinking, has you looking back. Regret reaches back to 1995, yeah, and says, look at that bad. <laughs> Somebody's got a year. Look at that bad sin, don't we all, don't we all? Somebody's got, look at that bad sin. Can you, you did that. Probably nobody's ever done that and puts it in front of you. It reaches back and says, look at that bad behavior in 2007, yeah, look at that. And it puts Puts it in bad in front of you. See, this is what regret is all about. It's Satan's tool to block the future that God has for you. And can I give you a heads up? The longer we live, the more likely we are to have regrets. Example in point, the Apostle Paul, who was used by God to pen this letter, this part of the Word of God, Paul had some regrets that were hard to let go of. In case you don't know it, before Paul became a believer, he was an antichrist, and he persecuted all Christians he could get his hands on. Specifically, Paul had a young boy named Stephen stoned to death for his testimony for Christ. Paul did that. Now, in case you don't know what stoning is like, let me give you a quick picture of it. They would have taken Stephen and thrown him down into a pit. Around that pit would have been stones, some large, some small. And the people would have circled Stephen and picked up stones. 
And Stephen would hope to God that somebody hit him in the head with one of the big ones and knocked him unconscious. But that was rare. The way this person would have died, the way Stephen would have died, would have been slow. It would have been agonizing. It would have been bloody. You ever heard the saying, dying by a thousand cuts? Stephen probably died by a thousand rocks. Slow, torturous way to die. Paul was behind it. Now, folks, after Paul became a Christian, let me tell you this. The memory of that had the power to torture Paul's mind. The memory of that had the power to destroy Paul's future that God had for him. In other words, had Paul reached back there and said, look what I did, I murdered a kid. Had Paul took that regret and put it in front of him, you know what it would have done? It would have led him to dark places in his mind. It would have debilitated him from the goals that God had for him. And all the letters that we read, the book of Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, 1 Corinthians 2, you wouldn't read those. But you see, that's exactly what Satan's doing with some of you. He is putting your regrets, and specifically he loves to do it this time of year. He's putting your mistakes, your failures, things you cannot change in front of you to try to stop you from reaching the great goals that God has for you. So you might be saying, well, Rick, what do I do with my regrets? What do I do with them? They're back there. (laughs) Well, here's what you do. Write this down as big number two. This is so important. Move on with God. Move on with God. You say, meaning what? Meaning this. Write this down as A and B. This is so important. God has totally forgotten all the bad you have done. God has totally forgotten it. You say, where does the Bible say that? Listen to Hebrews chapter 8. Listen to this. God says, for I will be, what's that next word? Merciful. Merciful. I love that word. The Bible says God's mercies are new every day. Every day you get up, God says, I got new mercy for you. (laughs) He says, I will be merciful to, he's talking to believers. He says, I will be merciful to their, what's the, the word? Their unrighteousness. He's going to cover all the bad you've done. To their, to their unrighteousness and to their what? To their what? Sin. And their sins. All the sins you've done. God's gathering all the bad stuff and pulling it into one big bag. And their sins and their what? Iniquities. And their iniquities will I remember. Everybody say it with me. No, no more. You know what God is saying to us? God is saying, I have moved on. I don't even remember what you did back there. God has moved on. Everybody say, God has moved on. Everybody say, God has moved on. You see, but you say, but God, listen, God, I I let you down back there. I failed back there. I did wrong back there. I made bad choices. God say, "What, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. When did you do that? I don't, I don't remember that. God is saying, you're dwelling back there, and I moved on from there a long time ago. And you need to move on with me. In fact, listen to what God says. You want me to tell you how 
how, why he can't remember your sins. Here's why he can't remember all the stuff that's back there. Listen to Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west. How far is that? It's universal. It's to the ends of the universe. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You know what God has done with your transgressions? God has taken them, taken them to the end of the universe and dumped them. He doesn't remember them. And here's the result of that. Listen to Romans 8.1. There is therefore, because God doesn't remember, because God has removed your sins as far as you, from you as the east is from the west, there is therefore no what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, God does not condemn you. So stop condemning yourself. Stop letting regret drag you back to what is supposed to be behind you and then filling you with sadness and despair and blocking your future. God says he has forgotten it. Now, I have to be honest here. I have to be truthful with the, with the Word of God. There are some things that if you have done, that God will not forget. I have to be, God is a just God. And I'm about to say some things that if you have done this, these things, you need to, go, need to know. God promises he, he just cannot forget this. God will not let this go. You say, Rick, what is it that, that I might have done that God says, he will not forget. What would that be? Well, write this down as B. Here it is. God will not forget. God will not forget. The what? The good that you have done. God says, I will not let that go. I will not move on from the good that you have done. In fact, listen to Hebrews 6.10. The Bible says God is not what? <laughs> A little slower there. Let's say it again. God is not what? Unjust. What would make God unjust? Here's what might, would make God unjust. God says he will not forget your works. And the love you've shown. You know what God says he would be if he forgot the good that you've done? God says he would be unjust if he did that. God says, I will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. You say, how have I shown love to God? Watch this. As you have helped his people, literally as you've served his people and as you continue to serve them. I love it. God says, I can't remember what you did bad. I don't remember that. On the other hand, he says, I can't forget all the good that you've done. You see, there are times when you do good and nobody sees it. Nobody goes, yay. It's just you doing it. Some of you who volunteer here at Christ Fellowship, you do things. I see people serving all the time, and I think nobody's applauding, nobody's clapping, but listen, God is. God's watching. I think of our children's ministry right now. There are people over there next door at all of our campuses, and they're serving children while we're here. 
And they may be thinking nobody cares. God's watching. And God says, I won't forget that. You're, you're serving my children. In fact, I want you to take a look at this video, and then I'll come back. I've been in Christ Fellowship for about 32 years. I start serving almost immediately because I understood that Christ gave his life for me, and he leave us a commandment to go do the same thing that he did while he was here until he comes to make disciples of disciple of others. So I start serving in the children ministry there. I encourage these ladies to each weekend to serve these kids with Christ's love because sometimes it seems like we're doing not much. I said, God, you know, I study your word a lot and do you really want me to just be in the kids' ministry, but I realized that I wasn't only impacting the life of the kids, I was impacting the life of our fathers, the women, and they were impacting my life to see how graciously and faithfully they serve the Lord each and every weekend. And that encourages me to keep going. So I met Miss Wade when I was a little girl. I was about eight years old in the Easter pageant, way back in the late 80s. And she was always helping with the costumes. Back in the day in CF 101, what they would have is a giant class and they would have a first friend at every table. And that first friend was supposed to help you um, get acclimated into the church. And so, of course, Miss Wade, she had been serving in CF Kids forever. And so she had said, like, why don't you serve in CF Kids? One of the things that I loved the most about her was how she just cared for not just the children, but also the volunteers. And so in my first couple of weeks here, she really embraced me. And I was new to the church, and so it felt like I had a grandmother that I could go to and ask really silly questions about my faith and about ministry. So it's crazy to see how much somebody because of her faithfulness and because she cared to like continue to pour into me, because some people will say, hey, do you want to serve here? Yeah, cool, and then maybe just drop off. But she was consistent, even if I didn't want to serve in CFKit, she still poured into me. And so in hindsight, now I'm staff and now I'm helping to write curriculum for kids, and that wouldn't have started if she didn't make that initial touch point with me. And it's kind of funny how life has gone full circle where I served with her and now she ended up being my son's preschool teacher. And now we work here together. It's, it's like life-changing memories like that I'll never, ever forget. I love what Roxy said there. I love what Roxy said. She said, I, I could never forget that. And listen, neither will God. By the way, let's give it up for our children's ministers, all those who serve over there faithfully. Be sure to give them a hug and let them know how much you appreciate them. But, but Roxy said, I, I just can't forget. She didn't realize, she, she, she may not realize she changed that, that little girl's life. Roxy now serves on staff at Christ Fellowship. Iceland may have thought, you know, what I'm doing is not that big. She changed the trajectory of a young girl's life. And you know what I think God is saying to us? God is saying, he doesn't forget that kind of stuff. And I think this is what he wants me to say to you, so write this down as C. Don't you forget the good you've done either. This is what in the movie the angel Clarence was helping George with. How many of you remember Clarence the angel? Yeah. Clarence the angel was making sure George didn't forget all the good that he had done. You see, George had become so hyper-focused on the mistakes that he had made that he was not considering the good that he had done in his life. 
In fact, he was so hyper-focused on his regrets, the bad decisions, the bad choices, the bad business calls that he had made. He was so focused on that that he came to the point that he said, you know what? I wish I'd never been born. I think this world would have been better off if I'd have never come through here. And so Clarence the angel said, you think the world would be better off if you'd never been here? Yeah. Clarence says, well, let me show you what the world would be like if you'd never come through. Take a look. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save him because you weren't there to save Harry. Well, what would the world be without you, George? Harry would be dead because you wouldn't have been there to save him. And every man on that transport would be dead as well because you didn't save Harry and Harry didn't save them. George, you did good things in your life. You see, I think that's what God wants me to tell some of you. To stop remembering all the bad that you have done and start remembering some of the good that you've done. Stop hyper-focusing on all of the bad that you've done and start taking an inventory of the good that you've done. You need to align your mind with God's mind. And by that I mean you need to forget what God has forgotten. And you need to remember what God refuses to forget. God does not remember the past bad that you've done, but God will not forget all of the good that you've done. You need to bring your mind in alignment with that. So I want to encourage us today to take an inventory of the good that you've done. Now that's not intuitive, is it? In fact, some of you are saying, that just seems so foreign to me. It's kind of counterintuitive. There's almost something inside of us that says, no, no, that pushes back from that. I don't want to think about the good I've done. Exactly. Which is why you're living in sadness. (laughs) It's because you're living only with the regrets of your life, not rejoicing over the good that you've done. You live only with the regrets of the bad, not rejoicing over the good that you've done in your life. And I believe in my heart what God wants some of you to do today is to take an inventory of the good that you've done. Start practicing forgetting what God has forgotten and start bringing the good that you have done and putting it in front of you, not the bad. Put the good in front of you because that will fuel you to go after the goal that God has for you. Listen again to what the Apostle Paul says in verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I haven't taken hold of the prize yet, but this one thing I have to do if I'm going to reach that prize, I have to forget what is behind me and strain toward what is ahead of me. Everybody say, forgetting what is behind Everybody say, reaching toward what's ahead. ahead. Everybody say, let it go. go. 
Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> Let the past with all the bad go and bring only the good forward. God, God is saying to some of you, I've moved on. What are you doing back there? Move on with God. And then write this down as number three. I'm going to close with this. Press on toward the goal. Press now toward the goal. Take the good that you've done, watch this, and set it in front of you. You know what that does? That gives you fuel. Because you're going to start wanting to do more good. See, when you take inventory, you say, look at the good I've done. You know what happens? You start wanting to do more good. Watch what Paul says again. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Now, here's the goal. You say, what is the goal? Here it is. I press toward the goal. To win what? To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, one of the greatest motivations to do good, to do right, to choose, make good choices, to live a good life for God, is the fact that there's a prize that God wants to give you. That's the great goal. Everything in this world is passe. God has a prize that he wants to give you that will never pass away. A reward. You see, there's coming a day of reckoning, isn't there? You will stand before God, and it will be a day of reckoning. Only it will not be a reckoning over what you've done wrong. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's going to be no reckoning over your sins, over what you've been wrong, what your bad mistakes. All of that God took to the end of the universe and dropped. There will be a day of reckoning over what you did right, over what you did good. And for those times you served God and you thought nobody was looking, God's going to say, I saw it. When you gave and you didn't have the money to give. When you served and you felt like you didn't have the time. When you helped somebody in need and nobody was watching, God said, I saw it all. I saw it all. And no matter how small it was, God saw it. God's taking note of it. And God wants you to start taking the good that you've done and set it in front of you as fuel to do more good. You see, when you put the past in front of you, it starts dragging you back, doesn't it? Starts pulling you down. Take the good and set it in front of you and say, God, I want to do more of that. So here's what I want us to do right now at all of our campuses. I'm going to ask us to bow all of our, bow our heads, every eye closed, no one looking around. I want you to do something that's not intuitive, so I'm going to have to kind of help you here. I want you to take a little bit of inventory right now. You can't do it all because life's too long, but I want you to take an inventory of some of the good things you've done. When you served, when you gave, when you volunteered, when you helped your son, when you helped your daughter, when you helped your husband, when you helped your wife, when you showed up when a friend was hurting, you went to the hospital when someone was dying. Just grab all those things. When you dove in the water and so saved a drowning brother. Kept the pharmacist from putting the poison in the prescription. Just do some inventory. 
Now, let me tell you what regret will do is you're doing this. We're going to say, yeah, you did that, but you remember when you did that bad? So don't let regret. Regret is so sneaky. Don't let it do it. If that comes up in your mind, you say, God took that to the end of the universe and dropped it, and he has moved on. Just put the good. Now I want to challenge you to say in your prayer to God, God, help me to want to do more of that. Help me to serve stronger, to give more, to love mightier, and to pursue the prize with everything I have. Let me pray for all of us at all of our campuses. Just keep your head bowed. Let me pray for all of us at every campus. Heavenly Father, I lift up every person at every local campus, every global campus. And God, as we move closer and closer toward Christmas Day, the Christmas season, God, I pray for every person here that it will be a time that we resolve to leave behind what you have left behind, to forget what you have forgotten. And God, may it be a time of remembering what you will not forget. May we remember the good that we have done, the lives that would be different had we not come through for the good. May we remember those things only. And God, may we take hold of those good things that we have done. May we set them before our lives. And as we ponder those, may it fuel us to press stronger, to want to do more good, to give more, to serve stronger, to love mightier. And God, may we with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, may we press toward the prize towards which we have been called by you, God Almighty. May we press toward that prize and may we receive it that day when you say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, thank you for your mercies which are new every day. We receive them. And Lord, I pray this in your precious name and for your sake. Amen. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmami.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.